Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top-rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. And for a limited time, Tend is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit hellotend.com slash sale. That's hellotend.com slash sale. And book your free consult today. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. A victory Monday sweet enough to last two whole weeks. Welcome into Finsider Radio. This is the Jake and Josh show. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on this Victory Monday. And Joshua Houts, I got to pull you into this right away, man, because the last time your Miami Dolphins were 7-3 and three was 2001. I was seven years old. How does hearing something like that make you feel on this Monday afternoon? Uh, well, very old, Jake. I mean, that's the best way to put it. It makes me feel old. I think I was probably getting ready to go to high school at that time. So that was a long time ago. Um, but dude, we're seven and three. And like you said, we now have two weeks to sit here and stew on it. The Dolphins are playing some of the best football that we can remember in our lifetime. Um, I'm glad that I can come on here, man, on another Victory Monday. You know, we joked. We didn't make a couple episodes on Monday. We missed a few. We've been back ever since this win streak's been going on. So this will continue to be our thing. Happy to be able to talk Dolphins football with you. But man, since 2001, that is a long, long time. The Dolphins absolutely flushed the Cleveland Browns 39 to 17. Josh, I don't know if you Beautiful. saw it, but I think my, Beautiful. my my favorite view from this game was they got a fan shot. And usually the Dolphin fans are known for the guy having the the shirtless guy with the pierced nipples who had the undefeated 72 uh, across his stomach. I think you know what guy I'm talking about. Uh, he's a fan favorite that's been shared a lot throughout the years. And then there's that lady who's just nonstop just flipping off the camera as the Dolphins are falling apart. But man. We have someone cool now. We had this this lovely lady who was at the game in the front row with two Browns fans. And Josh, I don't know if you saw this. She just had a sign that, I'm sorry I had to take these two clowns with me. And that might top both of those two other Dolphin crowd memes as being one of my favorite I've seen. 
Yeah, I, I admittedly did not see that during the game. And after I went on Instagram, you know, uh, it's a whole different world on there, right, Jake? I saw your story and I saw that picture and I just started dying, man. I mean, the way the <laughs> photograph was taken, it was just the perfect picture. And that sign, I mean, uh, credit to whoever she brought with that game for allowing her to do that. But that was definitely uh, the perfect picture. And that's something that's going to stand out forever in my memory from this game. And for that, everything, Josh, I'm going to do it. I'm going to punt away the negativity for the rest of the season. Josh, we have reached the point. There is no longer, I felt this way with Adam Gase. There's no longer, I felt this way with Tony Sperano, Brian Flores, none of them. I am done with the pessimism for the rest of the year, Josh, because this is a team that is completely different. So different that the last time the Dolphins were 7-3, and three, that was 24 starting quarterbacks ago, eight head coaches ago, seven stadium names ago. The Heat had zero titles. LeBron was in high school. The iPod came out. iPhone was six years away. Tua was about three years old. Mike McDaniel was a freshman at Yale, and Tom Brady was a first-year starter. Tim Reynolds, the AP News, who always writes great stories, he put that into perspective with that tweet, man. I have a hard time finding any negative aspect to talk about, even if we're going to talk about Miami missing it on fourth down and short. I'm ready to put it in a positive light. That's how I feel about this team. Yeah, I'm all for it, man. I mean, I admittedly saw that tweet, but I don't know if I hearing it out loud, man, makes me really feel like I just aged another 20 years. I think I found a white <laughs> hair in my eyebrow the other day. So, uh, dude, that's crazy. You know how long it's been since this team, again, has been seven and three. But, uh, yeah, man, let's punt all the negativity away. Let's not talk about, you know, some questionable play calling, right? The clock management situations at times. Let's just go into this and be our full homer selves and talk about the Dolphins, let's be honest, convincing 39-17 to 17 win over the Browns. Is there a better way to enter the bye week, Joshua? There was no fear. There's no doubt whatsoever. It was a 22-point win over the Browns. To put that in a little bit of perspective, Josh, the Dolphins scored 22 points or less in 10 of 18 games last year. This was an offense that just was so horrified of itself. It refused to ever look in the mirror and figure out what to do. It was just focused on getting to that next down, the three yards and out. But Josh, this offense with the same quarterback... I think the first question I want to ask you, man, is you look at what Tua has done since he came back from the injury. He has completed 96 of 133 passes. That's a 73% completion rate, 1,239 yards, 10 touchdowns, zero interceptions. The Dolphins are 4-0 in those games. Josh, are we higher watching that game against the Browns? Are we higher on this team now than when we were when they were 3-0? Is this, have they taken it to this a brand new level now that we see an offense that not only has consistency with Tua, despite the fact there's film already out on it, now we have a rushing attack that is kind of unstoppable all of a sudden, and you have a defense, I think it was 14 quarterback hits on Sunday, Josh, do you feel better about this team now, or you still think the optimism was higher when they were undefeated at 3-0? Well, at first, I got to admit, man, you kind of sound like a cop. You were asking if we were higher watching this game and all, <laughs> and all this stuff. But, dude, I absolutely think, you know, the Dolphins are starting to come into their own. I mean, we talked about it for the first few weeks, waiting for that run game to come on. I mean, it wasn't Sensei. I mean, bringing in Jeff Wilson Jr. has almost completely, you know, shifted the way this backfield looked. I think they had 100. Uh, him and Moster combined for 184 yards and two touchdowns. So when you got that run game going, when you got Tua Tungavaloa, I mean, let's be honest, man, he's playing unbelievable. I mean, he's icing his vein on third down. He was seven for seven on third down yesterday, 80 yards, a touchdown, three straight games with, uh, what, 285 yards and three touchdowns. I think he's the first player in NFL history to have a 135 passer rating in three consecutive games. One record after another, he continues to break. I mean, um, I absolutely think that the optimism is an all-time high. And, you know, we got to give credit to the offensive line, too. You mentioned uh, the defense playing stout. We mentioned his run game, Tua Tungvaloa doing what he's doing. But that offensive line is starting to come into it 
to their own. So um, it's all these pieces coming together and now having this buy where we can maybe get healthy. You know, a few weeks ago, we had that CVS receipt. Let's get healthy. Let's have all this momentum going and we come back and play the Texans, right, man? So yes, optimism's at an all-time high. Seven and three, it's time to be cocky Dolphins. And it's just so fun to put this into perspective of last year. I mean, at this time, this team was three and seven a year ago. Uh, the only way Tua looked like he did last year, this offense looked the same, was by him not throwing for 300 yards, Joshua. Uh, that's something I think he only did once last year to the Jags. But c- can I get your nerd voice where you like make fun of people for a second? And you can you kind of talk about how uh, uh, Tua only throws to uh, Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle to preface what I'm about to say? Yeah, I can. Um, well, Tua's not an MVP candidate because he only throws it to Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle all the time. Was that good? That was, was absolutely beautiful, and it's perfect because, Josh, what we saw on Sunday was blackjack dealer Tua. This was someone who was just throwing cards all over the field. Eight players caught passes. Seven of those eight players were targeted at least three times. Said Wilson was the only one with one reception. Jalen Waddle, four or five targets, 66 yards. But Josh, the one I want to start with, Trent Sherfield. My God, he caught four or five targets, 63 yards and a touchdown. An absolute dime in the back of the end zone. And man, you know, you sign Cedric Wilson to a three-year deal. Obviously, you trade everything for Tyreek. Jalen Waddle is a high pick. But, man, sometimes it's not as simple as you sign guys and they're kind of in that order. Trent Sherfield has done nothing short of taking the spotlight of that number three receiver and shining at himself in every way possible, whether it's blocks downfield, blocks just simply at the line of scrimmage, or catching absolute dimes in the back of the end zone, man. This is someone who I don't think any of us expected to be this talented or have this big of an impact uh, What halfway through the season. No, not at all. And I mean, we all talked about the familiarity with Mike McDaniel's system. So maybe we should have saw, you know, I guess him having a little bit of success, but um, he's putting that number 14 to good use, right? I saw someone joke that there was a meme of, uh, you know, him being That's Jarvis Landry. And when you see the way he blocks downfield, I mean, I love that you mentioned that because I mean, the Jeff Wilson touchdown, you saw Trent Sherfield take out the linebacker, but then to be able to go out there and catch that touchdown pass, that was a perfect throw in the back of the end zone. I know we'll talk about that more in our next pod, Jake, but the throw from Tua leading up to that, to Jalen Waddle, I mean, that thing was pinpoint accurate and then Nisto to come back and make that I mean those are those throws that MVP players make and I mean and to me it looked like to have read the coverage knew exactly where he was going with that ball and put it in the perfect spot so hat tip for sure to Trent Sherfield because you know it was Craycraft earlier in the year we thought maybe Cedric Wilson uh, based on his contract you know how quick and eager the Dolphins were to sign him he might be that third guy to step up but over the last few weeks we have seen Trent Sherfield in all phases of the game step up and this was one of those days where he finally got that touchdown that Tua and the Dolphins have hoped to get him man This was the first game, like, we saw it in pieces before, and we definitely haven't seen it in years past, but this kind of felt like an offense, let's just call it Diet Pepsi, and for some reason, Cleveland just continued to flick uh, mementos, is that what they're called? Yeah, Mentos, uh, Mentos, right? Mentos, why didn't I say Mentos? I'm picturing Wreck-It Ralph, where the Mentos are falling into that uh, soda, uh, you know what I'm talking about. (laughs) That's seriously what this offense is, though, because it seemed like every play they kind of try to flick a mento at us at this, you know, yes, us, I said it uh, at our massive two liter uh, of Pepsi. And every play, it seemed like Miami was just an inch away from breaking something free. It seemed like there was always that last arm tackle that Jalen Waddle catch was the perfect example where I thought, oh, if he could just beat that one guy. But Josh, we finally saw that go overboard. We saw all the soda go flying all over the place. And this was probably what got me jacked up more than anything. Um, we can talk about the rushing game in a whole, but where I want to start is Jeff Wilson. Awesome. Awesome day. His 
longest run was 20 yards. Raheem Mostert, solid day. His long of 24 yards. Josh, both of those were touchdown runs. And to me, that big play ability, the ability to not only see the play and be like, oh, we were so close, but to hit it, to have that cap go flying off the soda and to reach the end zone, man, that's a whole new experience. And we finally see that rushing game where, you know, we could kind of turn the picture upside down and see what they were trying to do. But for now, man, we have an offense that can kind of just pop the top off and find the end zone at any point. Yeah, man, it's such a breath of fresh air when you can have those big plays. And I think what's so nice about it is not only, I mean, we don't want to pile on Chase Edmonds, right? But I mean, his decisiveness, some of those things, you know, he left some points on the board. The way Jeff Wilson sees those holes explodes through him. The same with Raheem Mostert. But I think what was so nice was there were times, Jake, when, you know, they slowed down these run plays and you saw gaping holes, right, man? It looked like those holes that you remember John Madden always talking about are driving trucks through. I mean, there was one on the right side that Jeff Wilson hit, I can recall, and then that Raheem Mostert touchdown. I mean, he just kind of weaved through traffic with so much ease. I mean, to have those big play, the big play ability from your running backs, you know, to add to the playmakers in the receiving core. I mean, this offense is finally starting to become, you know, a unit, you know, a powerhouse. And uh, we do got to tip our hat to Alec Ingold. You've written down here, he caught four of four targets, 45 yards and a touchdown, 95.7 PFF grade. But what, again, what he does in that run game, you know, depleting some of those linebackers, getting to the second level. Um, yeah, hat tip to him as well. So, dude, I'm loving this run game. Um, I originally said, you know, he kind of reminded me of Jeff Wilson, reminded me a little bit of J.H.I. Someone posted a picture Spot of him and Ronnie on, Brown right beside each other. And I'm going to say that maybe he's just the perfect hybrid of a Ronnie Brown and J.H.I. So, dude, I'm loving it. Hope we can continue the success because, um, you know, the Dolphins are getting confidence and when it matters most. And if you took Tyreek Hill's stat line, Josh, he caught five of six targets for 44 yards and a touchdown. If you, I don't know, let's go back to, let's say, June and July, and you showed me just that stat line catching five of six targets for 44 yards and a touchdown and nothing else about the season. I would legitimately be horrified because that's kind of the worst case scenario for someone like Tyree Kill, right? You're just kind of hoping to get it to him at the line of scrimmage and hope he does something. Hell, you saw Cooper Cup. He had five targets yesterday. He had three receptions for negative one yard. Uh, that's the fear, right, of just being able to not unlock Tyree Kill in this offense to kind of be a shell of itself. But as you open up that entire, uh, you know, stat sheet, man, to outscore the Cleveland Browns, what was it, 39-17, uh, despite the fact that Tyree Kill was in that, I don't know, it seemed like 2016 Miami Dolphins stat line, that just encourages me even more, Josh, because you enter the bye week, you have a week to feel good about yourself. But opposing teams, before it was, hey, your nerd voice gave it away. It's Jalen Waddle and Tyree Kill. Stop those guys. Simple as that, right? No, all of a sudden, man, you have this, outstanding rushing attack you have Trent Sherfield all of a sudden you can't leave him all alone he breaks one tackle he's he's gone and man it's just it's so fun to see everything gelling together where you could kind of point at anyone and say hey you do something and they're gonna step up to the plate and hit it out of the park yeah, at this point, if you're a defense, you're really just picking your poison, right? And hoping you can get that pass rush to Tua before he finds one of um, these guys. You mentioned the Tyree Kill thing. I do have to bring up, you know, he helped. Uh, we all saw him waving on Trent Sherfield, right? Didn't that give you kind of vibes of uh, Jakeem Grant and Albert Wilson high five? Jeff fiving. Wilson, too. Yeah. Oh, that was that's who did I say? Yeah, I meant Jeff Wilson. Yeah. Je yeah, he was waving Jeff Wilson into the end zone. Um, that that was just awesome. But, dude, I mean, when you can go out there and have, what, him and Waddle combined for 110 yards, I mean, they have spoiled us throughout these first nine games of the year. Um, it, Credit to Cleveland for playing pretty good defense, taking away those deep balls. And, you know, they got Denzel Ward back, so that definitely helped that secondary. But, um, again, when you can go out there and only have those guys account for eight, 
receptions. Um, it's just crazy how potent this Dolphins offense is. And um, I'm excited to see where it goes now because, Jake, I don't know if you heard it, man, but there were MVP chants at uh, Hard Rock Stadium. It's just crazy, you know, how far a full circle we've come. I remember way back in the day, you know, fans chant when they wanted Kyle Orton, and now we're here uh, to get legit MVP chants. It's just crazy, man. I was leading the charge on Twitter when Andy Dalton, I think it was 2014, 2015, was a Pro Bowl alternate, got on into the game because, I don't know, someone was in the playoffs or whatever. Him not getting it over Tannehill, man, the biggest gripe. And here we are with the MVP chance. Josh, one more thing about the offense before we take a break. I'm going to rain on everyone's parade just a little bit because there was the whole thing going around, you know, everyone in the locker room afterwards talking about no punts and no sacks allowed. And this would be the second time this year the Dolphins offensive line didn't allow a sack. And Josh, for how ugly it was and how much we want to erase it from our minds, that Cedric Wilson play that that, that counts as a sack. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, yeah, you're right. That counts as a sack, and that's definitely one of those plays that we were going to question. And we can even jump on Jason Sanders, but we won't do that, right? I do love no, that no, it was – it's. I do love that Thomas Morstead. There was like a picture of him, like what fake sleeping on the sideline. I mean, he uh, responded to my tweet about how it's been since 2003. I since I think since Dolphins didn't have a punt all game. So it's just crazy, man, how potent this offense is. But to your point, Jake, you mentioned that video in the locker room. You did see Mike McDaniel, you know, he pointed at two and said, this guy won a minute, but he's playing lights the F out. And I don't know about you, man, but that just gave me goosebumps and sums up exactly how this Dolphins offense is operating. Robert Jones had a PFF grade of 87 at left guard on passing downs. Beast. Brandon Shell two pressures. Teron Armstead and Robert Hunt each allowed one pressure. Man, that's an offensive line where the, those are numbers. I we're not talking about plural. We're not talking about multiple pressures per person. I mean, this is a very impressive group. I mean, Teron Armstead, there's been some doubts about how this coaching staff has done everything, but load management, keeping these guys healthy. I mean... Teron Armstead's the ideal example of, hey, making it work, someone who's been banged up all year, someone who is playing through the injury and at, looking like an absolute stud. And then, you know, Brandon Shell, I don't think he was even on the team at the start of the year. Robert Jones was a backup. Just the ability to kind of not give up on these guys, to kind of keep that developmental process going. Austin Jackson was actually active and healthy. I'm going to throw this out there into the world. I think I said it before, but as long as he stays that six lineman, I think he catches the touchdown pass, Josh, before the end of this year. This is a group, man, that there's finally starting to be just five guys, six guys, maybe even seven that, hey, we can put them in and not have nightmares for two straight weeks. I, I think that touchdown is going to happen in the playoffs. I know you kept saying about it, but I now picture it in my head just happening. So it needs to happen. But you're right, man. And it has to be a testament, not only to these players working hard and, you know, some of the pieces they brought in, but this coaching staff, right? Frank Smith, you mm -hmm. know, Mike McDaniel for seeing Connor Williams as a center, Matt Applebaum, you know, the list goes on and on. So, um, dude, I love the way this offensive line's playing. I love the way that we're sitting here, you know, wondering where would Austin Jackson even fit in, right? I mean, I know he wasn't playing great before the injury, um, but to think that you have this problem where now you have five or six guys that can at least go out there, you know, and not miss a step. I mean, that's exciting things and exciting times for the Miami Dolphins, to be completely honest. Real quick, Jake, before we wrap up talking about the offense, I have to pull this up from Brett Breshizen, uh, works for the Miami Dolphins. He tweeted this out. Here is where Tua ranks in some important passing categories. His passer rating is first. In the NFL with a 118.4, third down passer rating is first with 149.8, fourth quarter passer rating is first with 123.2%, red zone passer rating is first with 118.8%, and yards per attempt is first with 9.3 yards per pass. So, dude, again, when Tua Tonvaloa, when the Miami Dolphins need it most, this dude is just playing lights out, ice in his veins, and we really couldn't ask for anything more than that. 
Jake, I think we got enough about the offense. Let's head into a break. And when we come back, let's talk about the Dolphins defense that held that high-octane Cleveland Browns run game to 17 points on Sunday. This is Advertiser Content, brought to you by Frito-Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down... We break down who will be cutting... Cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys, it's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are. It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snack-It. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void wherever hit Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. For the fourth time this year, the Miami Dolphins defense held an opponent to 19 points or less. Uh, Josh, I knew... Call me a genius, but I knew that Jacoby Brissett was not going to be scrambling all across the field, running left, right, and center, escaping pressure from this Miami Dolphins defense. Uh, but I have to say the fact that Jacoby Brissett was pressured on 40% of dropbacks, the fact we're not hearing Nick Chubb's name 45 times. I mean, this was a surprising performance from a defense that just could not stop anyone over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, and I mean, we kind of said, uh, or at least we predicted that, you know, this might be that get-right game for the Dolphins, right? This might be that time where the defense steps up and proves, you know, why we were so high on them heading into this year. They did pretty well. I mean, besides that, Nick Chubb busted off one for, what, 33 yards? I think he had a touchdown. I mean, I don't know about you, Jake, but I have Nick Chubb in a fantasy league, so I was a little bit okay with that. Uh, Jacoby <laughs> Brissett having the seven, uh, taken off seven times for 40 yards, I didn't think he even had, you know, that, that type of speed in him. So he was just running for his life almost all day, man. He did make... I guess some plays, I mean, at first I saw the way he was moving the ball downfield and I was like, oh man, where's this Jacoby Brissett been? But then the Dolphins, you know, buckled down and that pass rush was just, um, you know, attacking all day long. We saw Bradley Chubb get in the backfield a little bit. Jalen Phillips had a half sack. We all saw that awesome uh, sack celebration they were doing. But Christian Wilkins, man, I mean, that guy was all over the field. I mean, he looked like a monster. And this comes, what, like a week after I think I said I'd rather have Zach. I'd probably sign Zach Steeler long-term over him. But seven total tackles, one full sack. I think he had two half sacks. Um, But, dude, man, that Dolphins pass rush, that Dolphins front seven did their job, and uh, they made life miserable for Jacoby Brissett. 14 quarterback hits. Bradley Chubb had three. Instantly, you see the type of impact having someone on that defense does. And it's a little easy to see him out there just because of that number two. And it's kind of easy to see him stick out and make those plays simply because it is that number two. Um, Josh, you saw a complete rotating group that is just absolutely loaded with threats. Melvin Ingram had two sacks, a 46% pass rush win rate. I think something that's considered quote unquote good is about 20%. And and Josh, what we see here is a group that is just going to consistently be rotated out. Uh, you have depth all throughout that defensive line, going from Bradley Chubb to Jalen Phillips. Christian Wilkins can go inside and out. Zach Sealer had two quarterback hits, and he punched the ball away from Nick Chubb that forced a fumble. Uh, and Josh, these are kind of guys you're going to need. You're going to need to have this 
healthy group consistently churning because what we learned today, Emmanuel Agba out for the season with a torn tricep. Um, obviously his impact hasn't been what it's been last year, but above all else, you hate to see someone get injured and you hate to see a cornerstone of this defense get injured on top of that. Yeah, you really hate to see it. I mean, despite how, I mean, I think he has 11 total tackles on the year, one sack. I mean, he's definitely not playing up to his standards, but to lose him, I mean, it definitely sucks. But thankfully, the Dolphins, you know, they made that move for Bradley Chubb. They should be getting Trey Flowers back here soon. I was thinking about I love that you mentioned Melvin Ingram, man, because that's a guy that kind of, you know, earlier in the year, we were all super stoked about him. You know, he was that, I don't want to say marquee name or that big name on the defense that they brought in to add depth. But, you know, we bring in Chubb, some of these other pieces, he's starting to fall down the, the pecking order, and you just don't realize what type of impact he has until. So you see that number six running out there with the dreads making plays. So, dude, I'm um, I'm all for this pass rush away. They're buckling down the way they're starting to play over these last few weeks. We need that moving forward if this team wants to be a legit playoff contender. But another thing that I was kind of excited about, Jake, was the way that secondary played. And I, yeah. I guess not so much Xavier Howard versus Amari Cooper, which I think we need to all give Amari Cooper his flowers. I mean, he's one of the more underrated receivers in the league. I mean, he's a technician in his route running. So Xavier Howard did struggle a little bit there. But I mean, what we saw out of Cater, Darth Cater, you know, Cater Kahu making big time pass breakups Justin Bethel made some plays late in that game you know when we needed it most so um those were two guys that I thought stepped up big time um again hopefully maybe we get Byron Jones right Jake maybe thank praying we get Byron Jones back yeah Uh, some people think we might but dude that defense definitely all came together and had a pretty complete game against again uh Cleveland Browns offense that you know is pretty decent on paper Xavier Howard allowed completions on three or four targets for 75 yards Darth Cater had three knockdown passes. He allowed two receptions for 60 yards on six targets. You mentioned Amari Cooper and, and something I just want to put out there into the world. Uh, for fantasy, pick up Donovan Peoples-Jones. His usage rate is way too high. It's only going to get higher with um, Sean Watson coming back. So so just kind of put that in your back pocket. Uh, Peoples-Jones is definitely worth picking up. Uh, Justin Bethel had two passes defended. He allowed four receptions on seven targets. Josh Overall, man, you see these pass breakups and it feels great, but then you see like uh, two receptions for 60 yards, even Xavier Howard uh, completions on three or four targets for 75 yards. Those aren't, you know, blanketed numbers. Those actually probably aren't really great numbers, but I think one thing that we need to keep in the perspective of this Miami Dolphins defense is they're going to give up a lot of yards. You saw how easy it was on that first drive for the Browns just to walk down the field. This is a unit that really focuses on just kind of making you Complete six of seven, seven of eight, just consistently be perfect. Drive after drive and get to the end zone. Uh, that's why you're going to see scenarios, Josh, where, you know, Jerome Baker, he allowed six completions on seven targets. I think a lot of that has to do with just kind of coming up, making the tackle. They're a defense that would prefer to kind of stop you and let you get that 11-yard completion instead of trying to get in the way of a 20-yard completion, if you know what I mean. So I think there's an important context here that this Dolphins defense, I wouldn't say is great, but it's headed in the right direction. And you're seeing the positive signs of not only QB hits, but I think the fact that they're knocking down some of these passes, I mean, you can complete three passes in a row but if you knock down one on third down man that's all you need yeah and I'm glad you brought that up because I mean they do give up the yards you know they do give up some costly plays at in key situations but when they need it most you know Ben don't break we kind of talked about that all season long I mean Mike McDaniel said about in his press conference last week you know the defense was getting gashed but um, they stepped up and got off the field and they needed it most we saw the same thing this week glad you mentioned Jerome Baker I mean he's kind of that liability in coverage so I'm not surprised there but I don't know Jake Atlanta Roberts coming down he made a nice tackle on Nick Chubb I saw Jerome Baker made a mean pretty hit. nice mean hit on third down so um, those guys 
guys were making some plays. Um, and then Veron McKinley, the third, he was signed to the active roster before this game. I mean, the Dolphins did not give up any of those, you know, huge plays that we've seen in weeks past. I hate that, you know, I'm a peasant and don't have the all 22 yet to know how well he played. But I think, you know, first look, you know, second look at the broadcast tape, I thought he stuck out. And again, this defense doesn't need to go out there and be that godly defense we've seen in years past, you know, create that, what, 22 games or 17 games with a turnover, whatever it was. You got an offense scoring 39 points. I mean, you just got to make those plays um, when the team relies on you. And that's so far what the Dolphins have done. They stepped up in key situations. You mentioned that Z uh, the Zach Sealer force fumble. I think that came at a time when the Dolphins needed it. Just one guy stepping up after another. And um, it's just so awesome, man, that we can sit here again, seven and three, talking about a guy who has legit MVP potential, talking about a coach that, you know, could be up for coach of the year. And you see everyone sitting here talking about the Dolphins being, you know, legit playoff contenders, man. I mean, uh, I think we do deserve this after all the years of mediocrity that we had to suffer through. Oh, I do. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and two, this doesn't need to be a defense that has turnovers in 17 straight games. I mean, there's, there is a level of luck that goes into it. You can't scheme up. You don't have a play in Madden that's called, Hey, we're going to pick this one off. Um, so, I mean, I think it's just kind of fun to see too, man. You have that one play where you can do something that isn't likely like punch a ball away from someone like Nick Chubb. And it completely warps the game, right? You look up and you see the Dolphins scored three more touchdowns or whatever it may be. And that's what you see out of a good team. You see complimentary football where, Hey, the defense makes a play. The offense takes advantage. They pay it back double. And all of a sudden you get 14 points out of it, Josh. I think that's probably the most exciting part about this team is you don't need everything to go right every week, but when things do go right, when you do have a good matchup, when you win the turnover battle, it is very, very apparent on the on the score sheet, and it's not like previous you know, weeks, years, whatever it may be. Uh, the Pittsburgh game early in the season, the concerns about not being able to score in the red zone, uh, you're seeing the vision. There's no excuses here. They're going out, they're executing to the best of their ability, and it's paying dividends on the scoreboard. Yeah, Jake, and it kind of all reminds me back a few, I think it might even be before the season when Mike McDaniel said, or maybe it was after week one, he was saying, I just want to see these guys face some adversity. I mean, these first 10 weeks of the season, the Dolphins have faced every situation, you know, known to man. So the way they've been able to overcome those absolutely is going to pay dividends. I think, you know, for these, what is it? Final seven games of the season. We play into week 18, right? Dolphins seven and three. Yeah. Final seven games of the season. So man, I just can't believe it. Cause it's funny. Cause at the beginning of the year, man, how many, of these experts and analysts, you know, some of them only had the Dolphins winning six games all year. And we're already at seven and three again, heading into a bye when we could not ask, be asking for it anymore. I don't know how we did this. I don't know how we went this long, but, but let's wrap up the show here with some cocky Dolphins fan. It's not something we get to do often. And Josh, first and foremost, man, the Dolphins are first place in the AFC East. This is not something we've spoken about for the last 30 minutes of recording. How did we not talk about that? I mean, we should open it up with uh, that Bills debacle, right, man? How awesome was that to see the Bills, uh, you know, blow it late? But man, seven and three and at the top of the division. I mean, you could not even have dreamt of a better start to the season at the beginning of the year, right? I mean, you could look, be the most optimistic homer and looking down that schedule. And I mean, maybe you saw seven and three at this point, but um, if you did, you were definitely looking at it well uh, with those aqua and orange hued glasses. Am I right, Jake? And the Bills would still be first in the division. Man, that is a team. I mean, Stephon Diggs is coming out saying, hey, we've been blinking a couple times over the last week. There, I wouldn't say it's disaster. I'd still say the Bills are the favorite in the division. But, man, it is nice to see some turmoil happening there as the Dolphins. Again, if you're going into the bye week with a win like this, it's so hard not to feel good about yourselves. Josh, I, I want to bring this up again just because I think it's so, so important to what we're going to see out of this Miami Dolphins offense. How do you feel about this rushing attack? Because you look at the film of, of how teams are going to try to stop them. It's don't let them beat you deep. But how, 
I cannot be, stop being excited about the fact that all of a sudden defenses coming in to watch this game, the Houston Texans, Josh, not only have to worry about stopping Tyree kill and, and Jalen Waddle. Now they need to stop a rushing attack that just had Raheem Moster and, and Jeff Wilson jr. Ready to explode at any moment. That to me, I think is so much more important than the fact you scored 39 points. Is that that rushing attack that we were hoping would kind of show up? It showed up in full force and it's showcased the fact that if you don't stop it, it will beat you very easily. It'll run the ball down their throat. Like it's Larry Zonka and uh, Mercury Morris, you know, back in the day, 72 Dolphins. Dude, I'm just happy that's all coming together because, you know, for as deadly as this Dolphins offense, and at times Tua Tagovailoa looked over those first few weeks of the season, they didn't have that rushing attack to scare defenses, you know, to bring that extra guy down in the box to, again, open things up for those dudes on the outside. So um, I think you have it written down here. I don't envy any of those defensive coordinators, any of those play callers on the other side that have to sit here and come in and try to game plan to how to stop a quarterback that, you know, is just eating feasting wherever he wants to go with that ball whether it's man or zone coverage a run game that is now starting to catch on and two of uh we'll say it the two most explosive wide receivers in all of football jake getting goosebumps thinking about it because it has been you know i don't even know if i can remember marino years where this offense you know looked and i felt this but again i have that dory memories i don't know man we're heading into the bye week could not be more excited i'm just happy that we can come on here every week and talk about our favorite football team and people actually enjoy listening to it only two quarterbacks in Miami Dolphins history have had three-plus passing touchdowns in at least three straight games, Tua and Dan Marino. What a lovely, lovely sight. Josh, one more note, and I'll have you pull us out of here. This is something we don't talk about a lot. This is something we kind of avoid. We like to keep the peace. Justin Herbert, man, throwing more game-ending INTs. Tua, 10 touchdowns, no interception in the last four games. I think it's worthy enough to kind of... Let's talk just to kind of put it out there in the world for a quick second. Justin Herbert versus Tua, just something to keep in mind. Yeah, man. I mean, throw all the shade out, right? I mean, they did it for two years. There's no reason why Dolphin fans should be combating some of these people and their terrible takes. I don't know if you saw it, Jake, but the one fan uh, went to the game yesterday with a sign and he had uh, receipts and it was every, you know, expert analyst that's ever said anything bad about Tua. So <laughs> it's crazy. Um, yeah, <laughs> it, it is crazy. But I'm glad that we can just sit back and watch it all take place, right? That these guys are going out there, going to bat for our quarterback. And honestly, we don't have to do it. But guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode of SB Nation's Finsider Radio, the Jake and josh show we will be back on wednesday with our fake ass doctor merrick brave until then enjoy the rest of your victory monday and most importantly as always fins up that was finsider radio part of the finsider.com and the sb nation network miami has the dolphins the greatest football team we take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen we're in the air we're on the ground we're always in control when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, because we're the Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Yes, we're the Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Cause we're the Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. 